The title of my message is, It's Not You, It's Me. <laughs> Lean over to somebody around you and just be like, It's not you, it's me. <laughs> okay, we're having a little trouble here this morning um, getting in the zone. Has anybody, are there any brave souls out there that can admit that either you've used this before or somebody has said it to you? Anyone? Okay, we're, see, I said both of them so that's not as embarrassing for us, okay? If you're one or the other, okay. We're in good company, okay? Um, we know that if someone is using this, that they are, you know, deflecting the real reason why relationship isn't working anymore. And it's kind of a weak attempt to make the other person feel better about what's about to happen because, you know, it doesn't really make you feel better, right? Yeah, right? Or you guys, you enjoy that. I'm trying to feel where we're at this morning. Okay. No, nobody likes that. But I do have some good news. We are not talking about dating or breaking up this morning, okay? So what does it's not you, it's me have to do with what we're talking about? We're going to look at it as a mindset shift in moments where you feel stuck or frustrated. Has anybody ever felt those things before? Your hands better be up for this one because I know everybody has felt that, okay? Yes, we have been stuck. We have been frustrated. Some of y'all are frustrated right now with the person next to you and you got a smile on because we're in church. It's okay. It's all right. We're all going to be in this together. Okay, so instead of deflecting, we're going to use this as a tool to look deeper into our situation. For example, it's not you, it's me. It's not you who I'm going to hyper-focus on. I should consider me. It's not about what the world or a specific person did to me. It's about what I can do about it. So we're going to have a couple of examples to look at throughout the morning. Let's start with Jim. Jim is getting increasingly frustrated at home. His wife, Pam, for all the office lovers out there, seems to continually bring up things that are hurtful to him. And at this point, he's like, I mean, is she trying to do this? It sort of seems intentional because it's happening all the time. And honestly, I'm starting to lose a little trust in her. Okay, that's Jim. Lindiwe, on the other hand, is stuck, okay? She's tried church after church, and she finally ended up at North Place. Yay! This is a fake person, by the way, okay. But she still hasn't made any friends. And she's coming every week, and she's just wondering, is there anyone in this city, where, anywhere where I can go, where people actually care about other people? Okay, we're frustrated, we're stuck. It seems like the odds are stacked against these guys. The other party, whether it's other people, whether it's the wife, you know, they're doing what they're, they're not supposed to do or something that is greatly affecting both Jim and Lindiwe. 
So do they just continue to suffer? Or is there something that they can do about it? We're going to shift the focus from you to me. It's not you. It's me. It's not you who needs to fix the situation. It's me who can make a difference. And before you start coming at me, okay, this is equally true. We can apply these tools whether, one, I really am the problem and I just don't realize it. Two, the other party really is at fault, okay? We're not trying to just take responsibility for their actions, but we can still do something in spite of it. Or maybe we're in the middle. Neither of us are wrong, but... You know, we're just not quite connecting in the right way yet. So we can still use this. There's always something that I can do to pursue growth and to pursue help. So here's a few steps that we can take to help us move forward. All right, number one. We are not going to get anywhere if we don't first embrace maturity. This is foundational in this process, all right? So, you know, in this current day and age, it's a little difficult to define exactly what an adult is, okay? You can't just say, you know, it's when you're living on your own because you can be an adult, but you still live with your family, or, oh, it's when you have kids. Well, you can be an adult and not have kids, or... You can be not quite an adult and have kids, or you can have kids and still act like a kid. You know, we, it's, it's not quite black and white, all right? We can't even, like, use, um, like, the age of 18 as, like, this signaling the end of adolescence, all right? It's not quite that easy. But a common understanding of what it means to be an adult is that we're taking responsibility of our own life right? So even as kids, some of you guys have kids, and you know you do this. You start giving them responsibilities, okay? They have little chores around the house. They start having homework they have to turn in, and then we grow in that, and then all of a sudden you find yourself now, eventually we're, we're financially independent. We're getting our own jobs. Maybe you're making your own decisions for your life, and eventually your life is going to go in a different direction than the family that you grew up in. So we can understand that taking responsibility of your life is like, okay, this is what it means to mature, to grow into adulthood. But spiritual adulthood doesn't always correlate, okay? It doesn't necessarily have the same timeline as those physical attributes because some of us, We are adults, and then we just decide to follow Christ, okay? We're right at the beginning of our journey, and and we're starting to figure out what does that mean, okay? What does it look like to follow him? So we still consider ourselves babies in the faith. Maybe you've never said that about yourself, but, you know, just as an idea, okay? I'm new to this. I'm still figuring it out. I need people to help me. I'm still learning what it means to follow Christ. But I think we get a little too comfortable with that idea, all right? Because there is a time when we're still figuring it out. 
all right? We, we do need some people to guide us and train us. But then we kind of get in that place, all right? And we're like, hey, we're still learning, all right? I'm still new. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still a baby Christian. But the reality is we're continually learning, aren't we? Yeah. So how do we know when we've graduated to a different level? How do we know when we've stepped up, when we finally become that mature Christian instead of an infant? Almost all of us in this room are adults right now. We got some adorable babies in the back, okay? We got some teenagers, all right? But you guys are also gaining responsibility, so you are in this club with us, okay, right now, this morning? All right, so we are adults. Would you guys agree that we have been taking responsibility for decisions in our lives? Yeah, okay. So when we look at our spiritual maturity, we shouldn't stay in that baby stage forever. Like, we don't, because when we're actual babies, let's say growing to five years old, there's a lot of development that happens in that, you know? But we can kind of skip ahead a little bit when we're already an adult and we understand what responsibility is, and then we come to Christ, we kind of can add some things we already know, and then we understand what we read in God's Word. We have wisdom already that now we can put those things into action. In Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, honestly, they're getting upset at the Hebrews for this very thing. All right? They're like, listen, it's time to grow up. Okay? In Hebrews 5.12, all the way to chapter 6, it says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. The author's saying, listen, some of y'all, you still need somebody to take care of you. You still need somebody to bottle feed you. When you are still saying that everything is about me and my needs and I'm whining about that, then you're allowing yourself to stay a spiritual infant. But we need to take that step to take responsibility for our life and our actions, to move forward into maturity, like the passage says, and to grow into that spirituality that Christ wants us to be in. Only then... When we understand that, can we go to the next level? This may seem kind of basic, but we have to set the stage so that we can understand this next one. Because we move from consuming to contributing. All right? All of us, we make up the body of Christ. 
And that's a term that we use to talk about the church because that's how Paul talks about the church in multiple of his letters. We each, we come together. Look at us. What a beautiful, diverse family that is just a representation of what heaven is going to look like. We come together all gifted in different ways so that we can build each other up with those gifts. Like it says in Romans, chapter 12, 4 through 8 says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. Okay, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We all belong to each other. We have different gifts, and according to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. And if it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The point is, we have a responsibility to each other. It's not enough for us to come to church and to watch worship happen. And then to watch somebody talk about the word. And then to walk out the door without talking to anyone. In order to fully experience the body of Christ, we must participate in what is happening. And we must do that with other people. The New Testament, there are over 50 one another statements. Okay? It says, like, love one another, for example. And these statements, they tell us as the church, this is how we're supposed to act. This is how we interact with each other. And it says, you know, love one another, honor, show hospitality to, live in harmony with, fellowship with, bear one another's burdens, comfort, encourage, pray for, teach, serve, submit to one another, and on and on and on and on. Who are you doing those things with? Here, in the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.16 says this. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Listen, the body needs you. The church needs you. Your gift, what you are good at, what you love to do, somebody else needs so that they can fully grow and develop in the Lord. We know, you know, not only are you supposed to be encouraged by others, but you are supposed to encourage other people as well. You should be taught, yes, but you should teach other people. Have someone pray for you. Have someone pray with you, but then also pray with them. We all serve one another. 
we bring those gifts together so that we can grow to a healthy and full place in Christ. Instead of just consuming spiritual content, we are contributing to the body of Christ. And since we know, in case you didn't know, the church is not just confined to these walls, right? We're looking for, even outside of this building, opportunities to contribute to those around us. So when we're looking at our own situations where we might be stuck or frustrated, we're saying, you know what? It has nothing to do with the church. Okay, but we can still apply these things because we, the main point is that we need to see ourselves as a contributor. We need to see ourselves as a leader, that we are not just people that other people take care of, but we can also take care of them. So for example, okay, a workplace example, you are, you're frustrated at your job and you're like, what can I do here? Well, let's start with how can you serve your coworkers? How can you pray for your boss? Have you asked them about their family? We can contribute. We can participate as the body of Christ no matter where we are and who we're interacting with. If we're here inside the church, we can also share the responsibility here as well. For example, I can be praying for my pastors and my leaders. We need to care about their well-being, not just what we need from them. So, I need to realize that Pastor Randy and Desiree need my encouragement as much as I need their encouragement. I have a part in building up every person within the body of Christ. And when we do that together, just think about what God can do. So when I'm looking at my struggle... I understand that I have a part to play in this, okay? But I must also pay attention to the perspective with which I'm looking at it, okay? We need to be solution-oriented, all right? I can choose to stay stuck where I am or... I can actively look for ways to move forward. I can't simply identify the problem, all right? There needs to be some way to change what is currently happening or I'm not going to get a different result. We get that. That's understandable. But here's a few questions or a couple things that we can do when we're looking at our perspective, okay? Let's start with evaluating my situation and my attitude. Then we're also gonna ask, what do I do? What do I want to change about that? And how can I make it better? 
And it's important, all of this was put together on purpose because it's not just part of the equation. If I'm like, okay, I understand, I gotta find a solution, so let me um, figure out this is probably what needs to be fixed, but I do nothing about my attitude, then nothing is going to change. My attitude towards the issue is part of the solution. Because I could come up with an idea and then just be like, well, you know what? That's not going to work. No, you know, I, just, I can't do that. Well, I don't know. Honestly, I'm not qualified. You know what? Just, no. It's, it's not going to work. You know, maybe there's, maybe you have it in your head that there's just like one way to approach something. And if you're not, approaching it in that way, then it's not even worth trying. What happens is we think, oh, well, I'm just being pragmatic. I'm just being realistic. I'm just trying to, you know, understand what's really possible. But our critical thinking can sometimes be translated into an unwilling spirit. And then we stay in that place and we never get out of it. Listen. There's no room for negative Nancys in this process, okay? Because what she does is she gets herself stuck in the box, and then she slams the lid on top, and she's limited to this negative thinking and only these certain ways of doing things. Sounds a little bit like Proverbs 18, verse 2. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. If we just like to hear ourselves talk, if we just want to vent about all of our problems, but we're not willing to come to an understanding with people, we are missing it. We are never going to restore the relationship. We are never going to move towards growth. Last week, Pastor Dylan reminded us that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We love that verse. We have to allow God to refresh our perspective. In Philippians 2, 3 through 5, it says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility... Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. We have to come to other people, come to our situations in humility. We have to be willing to look at the interests of other people, not just ourselves. This is how we reflect Christ. This is how we move towards health. So let's start by evaluating our attitude. Some things that we can ask. Am I approaching this with humility? Am I caring about that other person's needs? Or do I feel like what I'm feeling and what I need in my life and what I want this outcome to be is more important than the other party. 
Am I loving the other person well in this process? These are things that we need to think about and evaluate before we go into even trying to figure out what the solution to the problem is. Then we can evaluate our situation, okay? Yes, we want to get from point A to point B. But instead of simply stating the problem, okay, we're going to try to figure out, okay, what's a way that we can move forward? And then, important, we take ownership of it. How can I be a part of the solution? So let's go back to Jim and Pam, all right? So Jim, for example, let's, let's go to, he's going to evaluate his attitude in the situation. So recap, he's frustrated at home. His wife keeps bugging him, and it keeps hitting a nerve, and he feels like it's happening on purpose because this is just, like, constant all the time. So if Jim is evaluating his attitude, he decides, all right, let me think. I need to make sure that I am truly caring about my wife's well-being as much as I'm caring about myself. So I need to look at her side of the story as well, okay? I need to give her as much attention as I'm giving myself in this situation. So when he thinks about it, he realizes her tone is kind when she's bringing these things up. So... She's not intentionally trying to hurt him. In fact, it kind of seems like she's surprised whenever he gets upset. So, okay, now we're at a place where it seems like she actually does care about Jim. And he's realizing that. And he's coming at it with, with a more loving perspective. Now he's evaluating the situations. All the comments that bothered him he realizes that they actually all have to deal with the same thing. And it keeps, like, it's, it all has to do with being a father. And he realizes, whoa, I think maybe this is because I never dealt with the way my father treated me when I was growing up. And so he says, all right, listen, I'm trying to figure out how I can be a part of the solution. All right? Not just that I asked my wife to stop attacking me. But if I'm a part of the solution as Jim, I'm realizing that really the issue is me and the way I'm reacting. Maybe what I can do to move forward is to go to counseling to work through those issues that keep triggering me and having bad responses. Jim is taking a step towards growth by saying, it's not you, Pam, it's me that needs to take a step. Another step that we can take. Let's look at these verses to set us up here. All right. So we have a few of them. Let me see which ones are on the screen at the time. Matthew 9, 9. Okay, we're just going to talk through these. Jesus, he's walking and he sees Matthew and he says, hey, why don't you follow me? And then Matthew does. Now he's one of the disciples, all right? And he does this with his other disciples as well. Then we also have Mark 3, 1 through 5. Jesus, he's in the synagogue, and he notices a man, and 
his hand is crippled, and you know what? It's the Sabbath, all right? So culturally, he's not supposed to do anything because no work is supposed to happen. But this man needs healing, and so Jesus decides to heal this man's hand, even though others didn't approve of it. Okay, so he asked somebody to follow him. He decides, I'm going to heal this man. Then in Luke, Luke 19, 1 through 6, we see Jesus walking again, and he looks up in the tree, and there's Zacchaeus, all right? And he's like, you know what, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today, like right now, okay? And he invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Then we have in John chapter 4, Jesus is talking with the woman at the well, and he's having a conversation with somebody that he shouldn't be because she's a woman and because she's a Samaritan. But we know that that conversation is so important that her entire town, or most of it, becomes believers because of that moment that they had. All right, so then Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house, and then we see that he has a conversation, whether he was supposed to or not culturally, with somebody, an important moment in her life. Is there any way that all of these things tie together? And we could add a lot of them, but then it would just get confusing because we're like, this is just like a bunch of things about Jesus' life. What do we see over and over again? Is that Jesus wasn't waiting for permission. Jesus wasn't necessarily just following all the rules that he was supposed to. Jesus wasn't waiting for an opportune time. Jesus is the great initiator. He stopped to have the conversations. He noticed people. He even invites himself over. Which, yeah, if somebody does that to you, you're like, whoa, calm down there. I don't even know if I have food in the fridge, okay? But Jesus is just like, I'm coming. Jesus, he knew people's hearts, and he put himself, he intentionally puts himself in situations where he could bring healing and bring freedom to people. And we also must follow his example. So that means if Jesus is the great initiator, then we must take initiative. We don't wait for permission for things. We don't always wait for the right opportune moment. We see that something needs to happen. We're moving towards growth and towards health, and we are going to be the ones to take that step. Let me let you in on a little secret, which you, pro- you already know this, all right? Most people do not want to be the ones to take the first step. <laughs> there may be a few of you in here, okay? Um, but most of us are like, <laughs> no. For example, let's say you're doing something risky like jumping off of a cliff or 
let's say bungee jumping, because we're not just randomly jumping off of cliffs, like a sort of safe way to jump off of a cliff. Um, so you're going you're gonna to go bungee jumping, um, or maybe you're about to go into like a dark cave, and these are like exciting things, okay? Some of you guys are looking at me very terrified right now. Some people like this stuff, okay? I would do it. So you, you're like, you know what, um, why, don't, why don't you go first? Because you kind of want to see somebody go in and then also come back out alive, right? <laughs> Before you decide to do it yourself. Um, we'd rather somebody else go first. Or maybe, um, maybe you kind of like somebody, if you're already married, just kind of like channel back to these days, okay? You kind of like someone and you'd rather, honestly, if we were honest, you would rather that they text you first, right? Because then you can just respond, and then, yay, now you're talking, but you don't have to deal with the possible rejection, right? We would rather somebody else go first. And even people that it comes naturally to, to, um, to, to embrace the risk in their lives, honestly, usually it's because they've had a lot of practice, or at one point in their lives, they made an intentional decision that I'm going to go for it every time. But Jesus, he decides to bless people even when they aren't asking for it. And he knows that if he waits to be invited, the invitation might not come. So he's making it happen. He's going for it because he's going to make sure that those people get the healing and the freedom that they need in their lives. So let's go back to some of our real-life examples. Some of you in this room are like Lindiwe that we talked about at the beginning. You're craving community. You need, you want so badly to make friends, but you're waiting for someone to invite you in, and they haven't, and you feel left out, and you feel unwanted. Position yourself around the people. Instead of rushing out quickly, linger a little bit. Go to the event. Walk up to somebody and introduce yourself might be a little scary, but then you know one more person's name. Or maybe, maybe this is still, you know, too timid to just be in the right environment. You could also invite people yourself. You could be the one to invite people to your house or to go to an activity with you. You don't have to wait for them to give you the invitation. We take the initiative some of you have some of you have this sense of of justice in you and you want to see the world be a better place and there's something that the lord has put in your heart like you know maybe you you deeply care about feeding children who don't have a meal every night or maybe you deeply care about victims of human trafficking. 
and you're frustrated because things aren't changing in the world and why is no one doing anything and you know we haven't added them to our our missions giving as a church you can do research and figure out what organizations are involved in that right now are there any in this area is there a way that you can go and volunteer how can you show up how can you start giving and supporting how can you be that change that you want to see in the world? We got to take the initiative. We are much more likely to get where we want to go if we just go than if we are waiting for others to make it happen for us. We got to take that step, take the initiative, go for it, do what God is asking us to do. So how many of you guys today, who are my note takers in the room? Definitely I see in the front row, all the notebooks are open. Okay, if you do not have a pen, some paper, some way to take notes, pull out your phone because we are going to do an activity but it's just going to be for yourself. Don't worry. Don't worry. But I need you to be able to write something down. So everyone get some way of communicating with yourself, of actually writing it out, typing it out. All right? Otherwise, we're just going to be like, this was nice. And then, you know, forget about it later. Okay? So everyone's, everyone's getting ready. Borrow a pen. Lean over to a friend if you need to. Okay? All right. So what we are going to do is we are going to think, we've been talking about some different ways that other people have been getting stuck and getting frustrated. And the reality is all of us have places like that in our lives. Okay? So what we are going to do is we're going to put up all of the things that are big main points that we've talked about. And if you take a note, you can use some of the extra things that we mentioned also. But we're going to go through these big points and kind of walk ourselves through what's maybe a next step that we can take. So you guys can put that up there. Let me walk through an example with you first, okay? Because you're like, what in the world are we doing? All right. <clears throat> so let's say that... My, I'm frustrated because you know what? I just, I can't trust people. Nobody's trustworthy anymore. And that's it. I don't know who's going to be my close friend. I don't know who I can tell things to. Okay, that's how I'm frustrated. And so I'm going to go through these different steps. Embrace maturity. All right, so I'm deciding, you know what? I have a part in this. I'm using my tool. It's not you, it's me. All right, so how am I a part of the solution? Now I'm moving to contributor, okay? So I'm going to figure out how can I consider myself in the equation, not just that other people need to be more trustworthy, all right? The body of Christ needs to step it up and let me trust them. No, let me think about myself, okay? 
Um, when I'm thinking about being solution-oriented, we talked about attitude a little bit. And if I sit back and think about it, I realize that really I, I've been stuck like this for a couple years now, so maybe I'm not opening myself up to people. Maybe instead of everyone being not trustworthy, I'm not giving them a chance. So if that's the case, and I'm coming at it from a point of humility, okay, so maybe they don't have the worst in mind for me. Maybe there could be some good people out there. Um, I need to give people a chance. I need to open myself up. So now how can I take the initiative? I'm going to go. There's some people in my life that I think they're kind of wise. And they might be trustworthy. I don't know. I'll never know until I'm vulnerable with them. So I'm going to pick a person. And I'm going to set up a meeting with them this week. And I'm going to talk about some things going on in my life. And I'm going to give them the opportunity to prove to be trustworthy. And if not, then I can go through this process again. But this is how I am going to take a step forward in my growth and health and not just blame everyone else for the things that are happening to me. So we've gone through an example. So let's do this. We're going to think for a moment. Some of you are like, boom, I got it. I already wrote my frustration list down today before I showed up to church. You were ready. But some of y'all are like, okay, wait a second. I was not expecting this today. I, my brain is blank right now. So we're just going to take a second and we're going to think and we're going to allow the Lord to maybe reveal some things in our hearts. And you are only writing this or typing this for yourself, okay? I will not be grading you. You do not have to turn it in. So be honest or it's not going to be helpful, all right? So let's think for a moment. Lord, where are the places in my life? Maybe it's one place specifically for today for this exercise. What is that place I just, I'm stuck. I can't seem to move on. What is that place where I, I feel so frustrated and, and I, I can't, maybe I don't really see you in the middle of all of it. Maybe I just recognize it's an area for growth in my life. Would you speak to us, Lord? Would you just reveal those things to, to us right now? When that starts coming to your mind, Write that down. And that's just the beginning. Then we're going to start going through these steps. 
I need to look at this differently? How can I see this from the other party's perspective? Sometimes we need to take those moments when we just listen to the Lord. And our response doesn't always have to be emotional. Sometimes it can be practical and we can make a plan and it helps us to implement that transformation. So thank you for being willing to sit and contemplate and allow the Lord to reveal those things to you today. and are sitting quietly and and being vulnerable with ourselves we are saying you know what today is the day of no excuses because now I can hold myself accountable I'm going to pursue growth I'm going to contribute to the solution I understand that it's not just life happening to me all the time, but I am choosing to participate in it. I'm choosing to allow my attitude to reflect Christ. And I'm willing to take the steps necessary. It's not about you up to me.